It used to be a string around our finger. Then maybe a quick note scribbled down somewhere, maybe on your hand. A message on a post-it note. You might jot it down on your day planner. As technology has progressed, we, we now tell it to our phone or we put it in our phone's calendar. But we've always needed things to help remind us. Now we talk to our imaginary friends, Siri and Alexa. <laughs> Siri, uh, remind me to get the mail. Alexa, uh, order dog food. Alexa, turn off the lights at 11 p.m. Isn't it amazing what these devices can do? So we think we'll just try to up the ante a bit. Siri, change baby's diaper. <laughs> Alexa, help kids with homework. Siri, do my taxes. What you can't, well then, what can you do? Sometimes we even forget these imaginary friends' names. Uh, my wife, just this last week in the midst of the daily chaos of a family of five while cooking dinner and Alexa playing music loudly and kids coming in and out of the kitchen spoke sternly to our smart home device, Elsa, turn down. We all, including her, had a good laugh, but eventually she told us to let it go. If you're like me, you can have a hard time remembering specific words. I find myself more and more like my grandmother each day when she would go through the names of every grandchild before she landed on the right one. Scott, uh, Jeffrey, uh, Brad, just tell me your name. <laughs> it happens to us when we're in conversations, when we're searching for a specific word or name, it just won't come to us. We've all had those names and those times, rather, when we, we couldn't come up with the word, and there's somebody near you, and they're trying to help you, and they're, they're trying to help you finish the word or the sentence. Suddenly, we're both transported into a game show, and they're trying to assist you with that word. I was down at the place where you feed the ducks. It has the playground park. Yes, that's right. And I had taken my daughter over to the, the thing with the overhead rods in a row, uh, the primate poles, no, the chimpanzee sticks, that's not it. Uh, monkey bars, yes, that's right. After that, she got on the, it's the spinning thing, it makes you nauseous. After my second procedure, I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, the merry-go-round, right, right. Well, my friend and I hadn't been talking long when my daughter got on that one thing. It's the animal with the handlebars and the spring on the bottom. They rock back and forth with abandon. Uh, pass. Yeah, we, <laughs> no one knows what that thing is called. Well, I was just about to leave when you'll never believe who I saw. It was, it was Kathy, it was Karen, it was no, Christine, yes, Christine. Well, she was telling me about what happened the other day and we looked over and there were several kids and they had their moms and dads going through that really difficult ride that looks, looks fun, but it's kind of dark and you go down into a tunnel and it twists and turns, it can be painful, you can get hurt. Parenting, no. No, I was thinking of slide. We've all been there when we can't think of the word. 
A woman named Brittany Nichols recently shared her story of forgetting a word while she was on the phone with a, a restaurant and it garnered thousands of likes on Twitter. She said, I called the restaurant to make a reservation, but I couldn't think of the word, so I asked for a food appointment. <laughs> she said, I can never show my face there again. People begin to commiserate in the comments section. Someone chimed in, I recently tried to come up the, for the word for asterisk and the best I could do was, it's the, the star symbol that you put by words to indicate there's also more words somewhere else. Another said, I couldn't remember the word for fun. I just got frustrated and you said, the, you know, the way that, that words looked. Somebody said, I once called a bench a park couch. One lady mentioned my husband once called the barber to ask for an appointment, forgot the word, and what came out of his mouth was, I was just wondering if you have any uh, haircutting opportunities. <laughs> We've all been there. Even with the best memory, we all can be forgetful. I read about a dad who was on a road trip with his family. He'd been driving through the whole night. There were family members asleep in the back of the vehicle who had been asleep all night long. The dad stopped to get some gas. And when he went inside to pay for it, the person in the back woke up knowing it was their turn, their shift to drive. And they got in the car, they shut the door and unknowingly drove off without dad. Not only did they talk, take off without dear old dad, they took off with his phone. So he tried calling everyone in the car, including his own phone, and got no response. The dad was concerned that maybe his family had gotten kidnapped, so he called the police. They were already a hundred miles away before he was able to find out they were okay. Can I just give you some advice? If that happens to you, you just cut your losses. You point that car towards Mexico, you're gonna need to lay low for a while, go off the grid, dye your hair a different color, assume an alias, just keep driving. Forgetfulness, it can be funny, but, but forgetfulness, it can be costly. When we forget the day that's important to someone we love, or we forget to set an alarm and we miss a meeting, we forget to lock the door, something that's important to us is taken from us. We can find ourselves in serious trouble when we forget what God tells us. We must never forget his words nor his works. We must never forget his words nor his works. You can, forget to afford, you can afford to forget a lot of things, but we can't afford to forget what God has done for us. Uh, this incredible passage that is the focus of our time this morning, David tells himself and fellow worshipers and, and now us as God's people, don't forget what the Lord has done for you. Don't forget who the Lord is. I want you to look at that passage with me, Psalm 103, We'll read the first five verses together. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The opening words of this psalm serve as a reminder to oneself to, to bless the Lord, bless Yahweh. It's said over and over six times in this chapter. How do we bless the Lord? Isn't he the one that does all the blessing? He's all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present. The earth is his, the fullness of it. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. What do you give the God who has everything? What could he possibly want from us? He wants you. You give him your whole self. You give him all of your praise. That's why David says, bless the Lord my soul, all that is within me, let my whole person praise him. David's preaching to his soul to praise the Lord. The Hebrew verb rendered to bless carries this idea of this warm praise that's full of gratitude. This is a reminder to his own soul to praise the Lord. This is a personalized call to worship. David begins with his own heart and his history. He recounts the excellence of God's love for all people. He then calls on the whole of creation to praise this endlessly good and gracious God. He says, forget none of his benefits. Does God offer paid time off, dental? No, he gives us everything we need. The benefits of God are his sufficiencies. His benefits sound almost mercenary, almost greedy at first glance, yet the psalmist is unapologetic in presenting the reader with a, a vibrant reminder that good things come from our loving God. He addresses his heart with this appeal to worship because it's easy to forget in the midst of chaotic lives the many reasons we have to praise the Lord. And I wonder this morning, have you forgotten the many benefits, the sufficiency of our God? Do you need to be reminded of our desperate need for him? Do you need David? to have a word with you this morning? Do you need to speak to your own soul? The first benefit that he gives is found in verse three, but I'd like to start in verse two where he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities. First thing, he forgives us. He forgives us. Sin is where it starts, the chief, the most stunning of his sufficiency. He forgives our sins, not just one, he covers them all. The forgiveness of God covers all iniquities. So much so that later in the chapter he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How freeing to know that we've been forgiven. David recognizes there can be no greater gift because there can be no relationship with God apart from the forgiveness of sins. All other benefits are reliant on this initial act of love. How empowering to know that we've been pardoned as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins from us. Listen to Micah 7, 18 and 19 
Who is a God like you who pardons wrongdoing and passes over rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever. Because he delights in mercy, he will again take pity on us. He will trample on our wrongdoings. Yes, you cast out all our sins into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, our sin is cast into the bottom of the sea. Corey Tin Boom had these words to say regarding forgiveness. It was 1947, I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed out land and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins are thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Then God places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. David mentions as this first benefit, forgiveness of our sins. This is where he wants to start to stir up his soul to praise. Listen, preach it to your heart this morning. He forgives me. He forgives me. A second thing, look again at verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. A second thing, he heals us. As David continues to count his blessings, he comes to the benefit of God's healing. He's David's healer and he's your healer. God is both our healer physically and spiritually. He heals all our diseases. Obviously, healing often refers to someone being cured from a a physical sickness. And, And truly, we have a great physician in the Lord as all healing that comes to us comes to us from God. And as one theologian said, we should look for it, ask for it, thank him when he gives it. But the final promise of no more death and no more disease will come in the future days. Healing also in scripture is a metaphor for spiritual sickness. So when we are forgiven of our sins or our iniquities, to use David's word, God in his great mercy heals our sin sickness. The spiritual diseases like our sins are all healed in Christ as he bore our spiritual sickness and diseases in his body on the cross. And and by his suffering, we're healed forever. Isaiah 53, five says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, we are healed. Furthermore, he can, he can even heal our emotional hurts, our brokenness, a broken heart. Charles Spurgeon said, there are many broken hearts, and Christ is good at healing them all. And now we have a a different doctor for every ailment, don't we? You go to the dermatologist for your uh, your skin and the ophthalmologist for your eyes. You go to the cardiologist for your heart. We have every kind of specialty doctor in the world and we are thankful for every type, grateful and blessed by their training, care and expertise, I certainly am. But whether it's physical sickness or a spiritual sickness, God specializes in it all. 
broken bones, broken relationships, broken lives, broken hearts, no matter your ailment, we can cry out to the Lord. Just as in the Gospels, when the one plagued with a bodily illness would seek just to touch the hem of his garment and would cry out to the Lord and say, have mercy on me. Or just as the thief on the cross would cry out, remember me, healing comes from the Lord. Preach it to your heart this morning. He heals me. He heals me. He forgives us. He heals us. A third thing, he redeems us. Look at verse four, who redeems your life from the pit. Who redeems? The Hebrew word used here refers to a person who is rescued. He's rescued from a form of bondage through an outside source of help. Well, it's no mystery that our outside help came from the Lord. Our pardon was purchased in the person of Jesus. He rescued us. He redeemed us from sin and from death. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19 for you. Know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. George Noble said this about redemption. Redemption was obtained for us at the cross was sent to us in the gospel, is known by us in the present, and will be accomplished in us in the future. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to what Randy Alcorn said about redemption. The cost of redemption cannot be overstated. The wonders of grace cannot be overemphasized. Christ took the hell he didn't deserve so we could have the heaven we don't deserve. Preach it to your heart this morning. Preach it to your heart this morning. He redeems me. He forgives. He heals. He redeems. A fourth thing, look at verse four with me. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He crowns us. He crowns us with love and compassion. Love and compassion are key expressions in this chapter. This poem, it's partly a celebration of the love and compassion that God pours out on his people. The language here is interesting. He doesn't just give us this. He doesn't just give us love and his compassion, but rather he he crowns it upon us. He crowns us with it. He adorns us with love and compassion. You know what? The world wants to give you a cardboard crown. For your head to be adorned and your life to be defined with temporary things. Satan wants to give you a crown of guilt and shame. 
for you to be weighed down as you wear your wrongs, to steal your joy so you limp through life. But the Lord, the Lord crowns you with love. He's made you as believers his royal child and he crowns you with his loyal love. Some of us are walking around with the wrong crown. Jesus wore his crown of thorns so you could have this crown of love. God so loved the world so that you could be crowned in love. Preach it to your heart this morning. He crowns me with love and compassion. Preach it to your heart this morning. He, he loves me. He forgives. He heals. He redeems me. He crowns me with love and compassion. Look at the passage again in verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies us. Who satisfies your years with good things. See, David is delighting in all the good that God gives, all the things necessary for life. The Lord gives every appetite its proper satisfaction. Do you know that the Bible is full of glorious promises of satisfaction for the discontent. Listen to what Jesus said. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 107.9. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Psalm 22.26. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. Augustine said this, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. Could it be the discontentment that we face in life has much to do with what we've set our heart's affections on. What we have mistakenly made our passions, our life's aim. In his book, Desiring God, John Piper states, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. See, no one and no thing can satisfy the emptiness in our lives other than Christ. No money, <laughs> no possessions, there's not a new town, a new relationship, a new job, all will be fleeting if we don't have Jesus. 
Only a relationship with Jesus gives real life. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and both our salvation and our satisfaction is found in him and in him alone. Preach it to your heart this morning. He satisfies me. He forgives me. He heals me. He redeems me. He crowns me with love, and he he satisfies my life. This is why David has something to praise God for. This is why you can praise the Lord in any season. Do you remember? It was that final meal that Jesus had with his disciples just before his betrayal and his arrest. It was a traditional Passover meal, but Jesus would bring new significance before his impending death. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread And after blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a a cup and he gave it to them and he said, drink it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, the forgiveness of sins. And in the gospel of Luke, it says, he said, this do in remembrance of me. Jesus would go on and he would be unjustly sentenced to death, mocked, crowned with thorns, beaten, crucified on a cruel cross for you and for me so that we could find forgiveness, healing, redemption, be crowned with his love and satisfied in him. And this is why we can say bless the Lord in the midst of incredible loss. This is why we can say bless the Lord when we get the news. This is why we can say bless the Lord when we don't understand because of this immeasurable, incredible, sustaining benefit that God gives us, bestowed to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, David wrote this black and white outline that was fulfilled in full color in Jesus. Jesus sat at that table And he looked into the eyes of his disciples and he said, don't forget. This morning he looks into your face, into your eyes, and he says, don't forget. Don't forget. We must never forget his works and his words. Is it the busyness, the burden of life, maybe maybe the suffering, the sorrow? What is it that makes us so fickle, such forgetful followers? Maybe like David, you and I need to have a talk with our souls this morning. There is cause for celebration over all that we've been given, all that God has done through his son and the benefits that we've been blessed with. So may we join the psalmist this morning as we say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. God, we thank you for all that you do for us. There's so many ways that you have bestowed goodness upon us. God, in the midst of the chaos of life, in the midst of other affections, in the midst of hardship and even unspeakable sorrow. God, our minds can go to a million places, but Lord, 
Lord, we don't want to forget. God, may our hearts always remember. May our lives show it. God, may we never forget what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.